Hey there, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. My name is Daniel Trinum, and I will be your host as always. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to let you know of a few things of note. First, you may or may not be aware that I host another podcast called The Third Seat. The Third Seat is unrelated to the podcast you are listening to right now, but if you'd like to check it out, then I will put a link in the description of today's episode that you can use to listen to it. If you like this podcast, then I really think you will like The Third Seat as well, so I highly recommend you check it out. Next, I want to let you know of a few ways you can support the podcast. First, be sure to tell a friend if you enjoy the show. Word of mouth is not only a great way to help support the show, but it's also zero cost. Secondly, if you enjoyed today's episode, then be sure to leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Leaving a positive review is one of the best ways of not only supporting the show, but it also gives me direct feedback from you regarding how you feel about the show overall. I greatly appreciate if you decide to take the time to support the show in any of these ways. Finally, if you'd like to follow me or the show on social media, then feel free to check out the description of today's episode. Here you will find all affiliated and mentioned links, as well as how you can support the show online. As always, I want to thank you for tuning into and supporting the show. It really means a lot to me, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I enjoyed making it for you. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. My name is Daniel Trinum. I'll be your host for this episode as always, and I'm excited for today's episode. Uh, today's episode is featuring a guest that uh, I've been in communication with them for, I guess, a couple months now. Uh, we've been talking back and forth. We briefly chatted over Zoom way back when, and uh, the thing that I've come to find out about this individual is that they have a very colorful uh, and storied life so far. Uh, so I am very excited to dive into some of their stories, some of the the things that they've done, uh, and just get to learn some more about them. And so Morgan, thank you for joining me today. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. This is such a cool opportunity. I never, I never really thought along the way that my story would resonate with people, but I'm excited to hear that it is, and it might be in the future. My name is Morgan, and I was born and raised in Michigan, but after I graduated college, I decided to take something of a gap year, and that lasted for almost 10 years. So <laughs> I know, it just went on forever. My family, they kept asking me, like, so are you going to, are you going to set No, no, I'm not. <laughs> but I, I went all over the world. I lived out of a suitcase for years and years. I've been to close to 50 countries at this point in my life with more to come. I've been to almost every single U.S. state. I lived in Alaska in a tent for a while. I lived in the Caribbean. I've just, I've, I've done a lot of interesting off the wall things and I've definitely had an unconventional life. And all that to say that when the pandemic hit, I I packed my bags. I, I bought a car. I have a real job now. I actually work in corporate America in recruiting, which is super interesting. I took I took my colorful past and turned it into an office job somehow, but I'm really enjoying this chapter of my life and I'm happy to be here. That is awesome. That is awesome. And and that's the way that I uh, initially came across you. Um, I've mentioned it a hundred times on the podcast and I'll probably mention it again, but um, a large portion of my corporate nine to five job, um, I also use, I use LinkedIn a lot. Uh, and that's the way I initially came across you. I just saw you, whether someone, I don't know if I connected with you or someone liked one of your posts or something, I don't know, but somehow you popped up on my feed and I was like, oh, she seems like a nice person. Uh, and then I just, you know, saw different things that you post and I was like, man, she seems just like an interesting individual uh, with a with a cool story. So 
I'm excited to talk with you today just about some of your some of your stories and things that you did. But um, first and foremost, I want to ask you. So you you mentioned that and I, I didn't even know that you had traveled for 10 plus years. Uh, I do think it's funny that most people, they aim to travel to maybe 50 states and you took it up a notch and said, no, I'm going to go to 50 countries and 50 states. So <laughs> I, I like that. You know, when you travel and anyone out there who's traveled knows this, your travel itch never gets scratched. You go somewhere and you just want to see more. You just, it just gets worse. So for me, you know, I would go somewhere and I'd see something and I was like, oh my gosh, wow. You know, I was just in Europe and I heard really good things about Latvia. I got to get back there to see Latvia. And then I would go back and I'd, I'd hear about something in Croatia. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to go see Croatia. And then I go to Central America and I'd find out that actually Honduras is really cool. It just it gets worse and worse. It, and all my travelers out there, they know that that the more the more you see, the more you learn that there is to see. Yeah. And, and and I have I have experienced that to a very, a very small degree. Um uh I have taken a couple trips with my family. Uh most notably, I've I've talked about it before, but uh we took a trip to Colorado the summer of 2020, which was which was a, a great trip because obviously during that time, uh, there were not many people traveling and we got to go and see a lot of the national parks in that area. And it was, it's already just a huge place, but with the so few amount of people that were there, I mean, we just got to see so many just things I've never even, I didn't even know existed. And after that trip, I was like, man, I want to go back out there. Like I, I want to just go I don't know where I'm going, but I want to turn west and just drive out there and see what's out there. So, no, I get it. I get it. Um, For you, particularly, whenever you initially decided, like, okay, I'm going to go and just travel. Initially, it was going to be a gap year. Did you have any, like, apprehensions or, like, maybe I shouldn't do this or, like, you know, this sounds like maybe I'll just go to one place and just, you know, kind of see what it's like? Or what what were did you have any, like, reservations about it at all? Or was it just like I'm jumping off the deep end and I'm just going to go and do it and have I have no fear about it? No, believe it or not, I was scared almost every step of the way. You know, it's when you choose a more untraditional life path, there's no guidebook for you. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no path, like get your degree and then get your job and then buy your house. And then woo, you're done. So there was so many moments where I had questions like, will I ever be able to enter the workforce? You know, am I, am I going to be able to retire one day? Am I going to have the funds to do that? is this safe? I had a lot of questions about safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I distinctly remember being in Asia and running out of money. And that is not really a place you want to run out of money. And I was in Cambodia and I was like, well, I don't have any money. And, you know, I, but you just, you figure it out. I got a job bartending at a pizza bar. I saved $27 and I bought a bus ticket to Thailand. <laughs> I, I feel that if there's anything I've learned, is that it's it's completely okay to be afraid and you can use that as a springboard or you can use that as a shovel. And in my case, I used it to plan more effectively, to learn and to grow. And I just kind of had to push past it and know that what I was doing was what I wanted to do. And I just had to believe in the end, it all worked out okay. Yeah. And when you when you said I ran out of money in, in Thailand, or it was it was it Thailand you said you ran out of money in? Cambodia. Cambodia. Sorry. When you ran out of money in Cambodia, my first thought was, I don't know if I'd want to run out of money anywhere, but especially not a country, you know, somewhere all the way across the world, just away from everything I know. But I, I think that's a lot of people's like 
apprehension to it is like the is the what if of it all because like you know like who doesn't want to travel to really cool places and see things they've never seen before but then you kind of get in i mean i'm i'm guilty of this as well like you start to get in your head about it like okay well what happens here what happens you know what happens if this happens and I'm sure you have lots of experience with this, but it seems to me like if you're going to do that, you just kind of have to be okay with the what ifs of it because you can't, I mean, in life in general, you can't plan for everything. Uh, But I I do want, so what what was that experience like for you whenever you were in in Cambodia? Like what, what did you do? You know, how did that come about? Well, to start with, I was in Asia on a shoestring, which is (laughs) honestly, The majority of my travel, I, you know, I traveled throughout my entire twenties. I spent that entire chapter of my life traveling. And for most of it, I did not have very much money. So I would, I would shop deals. I would buy these tickets and I would just make it work, whether that was eating street food or staying in cheaper hostels or skipping out on big things. Like I never went to the Taj Mahal. I couldn't afford it. I've been to India, but I haven't been to that. And that's something I had to, I had to be okay with. And so, yeah, so in, so, and when I was in Asia, I bought a one-way ticket into India and I bought a ticket home from Thailand and I had several months to get from point A to point B. And in along the course of those months, I just ran out of money. (laughs) So I was like, okay, this is going to be okay. You know, I'm, I'm always a light at the end of the tunnel. I was like, you have a ticket home. You, all you have to do is get there. And all you have to do is just figure out the la- the next six weeks of your life. And there's a lot of different programs for travelers. Um, there's some called Workaway. There are other ones you can be a nanny. There's a lot of different options out there. But in my case, the stars aligned and I was walking along the beach of this island trying to figure out how to make some money. And I saw a sign outside of a pizza place saying English speaking bartender wanted. I was like, oh, hello. Hi. Hi. I can help you. (laughs) (laughs) And so in my case, I got extremely lucky. I walked in. I had been bartending for several years before that. I am American. I speak perfect English. And I was able to start working that night. They gave me a free place to stay. They gave me free food and I just manned the bar. I didn't make any money, but I got to keep any tips I made. So chatting with people along the way, most people thought it was pretty humorous that I had run out of money. I was pretty open to about it. Anyone who follows me on LinkedIn knows that I'm very authentic and very honest, and I will always shoot you straight, whether that's good for me or bad for me. But by the end of three weeks there, I had saved $27. That was enough for a bus ticket to Thailand, and off I went. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, You mentioned, so the the fact that you came upon, uh, you know, a place that said English-speaking bartenders wanted is just hilarious. But my first thought, like one of my first thoughts in just hypothetically considering myself being in that situation is a very obvious one is the language barrier. Did you have to like, did, I'm, I'm sure you probably came across that somehow. Did you have like anyone that helped you translate? I mean, the very, I'm, I'm sure there's various, like there's not just like one Asian language or, you know, whatever country you're in. Did you have anybody help you like, you know, get over the language barrier or was it just something that you just kind of figured out along the way and just made do with whatever you could figure out? Actually, most of my traveling was done in relatively touristy spots, which I'm never afraid to admit because again, going back to that fear factor, how do we get over that? And we get over that fear by reminding ourselves that these places are visited by millions of tourists every year. 
Millions of people go see Angkor Wat. Millions of people go see the Taj Mahal. They're used to that. They're used to the flow of people coming in from all over the world. So for me, when I started out, I always told myself baby steps, baby steps. You know, you don't have to go to Cambodia and go into the most rural, unvisited part. You don't have to do that. You can start in the capital city. You can start on the touristy islands. You can start at Angkor Wat. You can, and so that's where I, I did a lot of my traveling was just starting with those places that I felt were good places for me to start. Mm-hmm. So following that, most of the time, wherever I was, they had a large English speaking population because they were so used to the flow of tourism. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's something, at least whenever I consider, you know, like, for instance, uh, this this year in July, uh, my fiance and I were going to be going to we're going to be going to Paris on our honeymoon, which I'm very excited about. But like there's times where I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is a they speak French over there. Like, what am I gonna do? Like, am I gonna be able to figure out anything? And for one, there is plenty of time for me to learn some French, but also like it's one of the most visited cities in the world. Like, I think they've probably encountered some English people every now and then, you know. <laughs> so uh they probably you know, e- even more so with um with other huge cities like that, like you're talking about, like capital cities. Um, I think that's something that can often, I know I forget about as well, if I ever consider traveling somewhere is the fact that, you know, I'm not the only person that speaks English and they've had their fair share of travelers come and go, and they probably have some experience with it. You know, um, whenever you, whenever you initially decided like, okay, I'm going to go and travel and just kind of see what happens. Was it more of a spur of the moment type of decision for you? Or is this something that you had planned out for a while? Like, cause for me, I am very much, and I, I joke about it all the time. I very, I very much like when it comes to traveling anywhere, I like to have a detailed itinerary. Like I want to know when I'm landing on the plane to where I'm going to be checking in to what we're going to be doing at the, you know, the morning of the first day, all the way to the end of the trip. Um, and you know, I'm sure you can do that somewhat, but what what for you was this something that you had very detailed planned out or were you just like i'm going to buy a ticket to this place and just see what happens whenever i get there it's a mixture of both so my travel is started as a series of very small decisions that led to this huge you know close to 10 year experience so for example after college, I did not have any desire to get an office job. So instead, I participated in the Disney College program, which allowed me to go to Disney for almost a year and work there. And after that, I found another job working for Princess Cruise Lines, which led me up to Alaska. So I was like, I'm just going to delay this like another six months. I'm going to go to Alaska for the summer and then go up to Alaska. And in Alaska, I was so unhappy working for the cruise line that was my first big fork in the road mm-hmm. where, you know, the, the, the conventional thing to do is to stick it out, finish your contract, get that on your resume and move on. And I decided I just did not want to do that. So my roommate at our time, we pooled our savings. We bought a pickup truck off the side of the road. We bought a tent. And in the middle of the night, we went into the cafeteria and here I go implementing myself, but we stole a bunch of food. Sorry, princess, send me an And we hit the road. We just decided that we wanted to see Alaska. And we were like, this is how much money we have. Let's just see how long this gets us. And then we'll figure it out. And that was my first big decision. So then I spent six months in Alaska, living in my tent, doing this, going all over the place. And then when I ran out of money, I found another job. And then I had a friend who wanted to go to Europe. So then I I ended up buying a ticket to Paris. And so it was all of these little decisions along the way 
you know, I never sat down and, and thought to myself, like, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I want my life to be. It was more like in the moment, I continually made the same decision, which was always buy the ticket. That was mm. always, it always came down to that for me. So my chips, they've been a mixture. Some of them have been like that. Others have been very structured, very planned out. And then still others have been extremely spontaneous. One time I was in between jobs. I had about 10 days to kill. So I went to the airport. I had this small little bag. I went up to the counter. I told the woman at the counter, hey, I've got 10 days off. Just get me on the next plane. I don't really care where I go, but it needs to be somewhere relatively warm because all I have is this little backpack. And I wound up in Honduras six hours later. And then I was just in Honduras for 10 days with no plan, no friends. I don't speak any Spanish. I kind of just wandered around Honduras and hung out. And it was, I mean, it was great. I never would have chosen to go there on my own, but so I guess and no to answer your question. Yeah, no. And, and I love that because I think that, and again, I've, I've done a little bit of international travel in my life, but the thing that I'm, I'm slowly trying to implement more in, into my uh, into my life just in general, and especially if I ever decide to travel anywhere, is just trying to be okay with the spontaneity of it all. Because uh, like I said, I am a very much, when it, especially when it comes to traveling anywhere, like I like to know where I'm going to be at a certain time, if we're going to go somewhere, like have reservations to be there, which that's not a bad thing. But sometimes, like you said, if you want to get the most out of a trip or an experience or whatever in life, um, sometimes a, a, a healthy dose of just being willing to kind of go with the flow and some spontaneity is not a bad thing. Um, and that's, you know, I think we all to different degrees, you know, I know people that they just go on any, any, any experience that they have. Like if, if someone says, Hey, we're just going to go here and we're leaving in five minutes, then they'll just get up and go. But also there's some people like me that are a little bit more, uh, planned oriented where that that's not something that I would ever consider doing. So, I think that, you know, finding that balance is something that can benefit you a lot. And especially in a situation, like you said, if you're traveling, um, although I will say the idea of of camping out in Alaska sounds very interesting. When, whenever you did that, were you like, in my mind, when I think of Alaska, I think of like a giant frozen, you know, big sky tundra area. Is that where you were at or what was it? Where were you camping at whenever you were in Alaska? No. So Alaska is extremely beautiful. And I tell my boss all the time, if I ever get tired of what I do, which I don't see happening, but you never know. I mean, look at me, I'm unpredictable, but that would be the first place I would move back to. I 10 out of 10 would live in Alaska full time. It's an incredible place. So Alaska is very unique. At least when I was there, they had very relaxed camping rules. So you could pitch a tent anywhere you wanted to. So that really worked in our favor is you could really drive or hike anywhere you wanted and pitch a tent. Mm -hmm. And that was very unique. I'm not sure if that's still the case or not. And then also Alaska has extremely beautiful summers, extremely beautiful summers. You know, I live in Minnesota right now and everyone keeps telling me, wait for the summer, wait for the summer. It's very similar in Alaska. It was very warm. It was very sunny. We swam, we hiked. And of course you have all the daylight. So I distinctly remember this time when it was 2 a.m. and I was by this lake tanning, reading my book, swimming, because it was sunny and beautiful. (laughs) So I, so when I started my road trip journey, I was just outside of Talkeetna, um, which is relatively close to central Alaska, native Alaskans. I'm so sorry. I'm not from Alaska. This is 
me talking to the rest of the world, but relatively close. If you think that Seward is in the very bottom of Alaska on the ocean, and then you've got Anchorage about two hours from there. And then about two hours north of that is Talkeetna. And then much, much further north north is Fairbanks. Talkeetna is where I started. So sort of in the middle-ish. I went up to Fairbanks for a while and explored Fairbanks. Fairbanks is, is a pretty big city. We went to the movies there. We tried different restaurants. You know, we hung out um, and then drove down to Talkeetna. I went out to Valdez, which is extremely beautiful. One of the most beautiful road trips I've ever been on. But it was very warm, very sunny. The only place I didn't go to is Juneau because that's in a different section of Alaska. You have to you have to take a much longer route or take a ferry to get there. But in the central portion of Alaska, if you can be there by road, I have been there just because I spent so long just driving around. I had uh, an Alaskan roadmap that I just was like, all right, let's go here. Let's see where this goes. Are you familiar with, uh, I mean, there's a lot of national parks in Alaska. Are you familiar with one of the, one of the national parks there called, I think it's called Gates of the Arctic. Is that correct? I think that's what it's called. Yes, but I, I have not been there. Okay. That's what I was like. I wanted to say, I was like, are you, have you been there? Because so my, my family has gone on this somewhat, I don't know if it was purposeful or not, but we've kind of the last few, uh, family trips we've gone on, we've just gone to different national parks kind of out in the West and, just through that, you know, you start looking up like, oh, what are all the other national parks in the United States? And I came across the gates of the Arctic and that I, I can't even like every time I, I see a picture of it, I'm like, that doesn't even look real. Like, I just look at I look at it, I'm like this. This it's so far away and it looks so much just like another planet. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Interstellar. Uh, it looks like one of the planets from Interstellar, you know, just like one of these random planets that doesn't look anything like anything on Earth. Uh, but man, I, that's why I want to see if you, if you had been there or not. But even at that, I mean, there's no shortage of things to see uh, and do in Alaska. You know, um, what is is Denali in Alaska? I'm pretty sure Denali's in Alaska. It is yes, and actually in Alaska, I've been to the North Pole, which is a city. It's a very cute little town that's Christmas themed. <laughs> I had the best Thai food of my life in the North Pole, and I've been to Thailand. So okay, outside of Thailand, but amazing Thai food in the North Pole. And the North Pole is really cool. I'll never forget. We had our Thai food and we we spread our blankets in this park and it was so sunny and I was sweating. And I was like, how am I? I'm in the North Pole and I'm so hot right now. <laughs> Did you, was there a North Pole? Like, was there a, a, a pole that said this is the North Pole? Because in my mind, like, Whenever I think of the, like a visual representation of the North Pole, my mind immediately goes to the Santa Claus movies with Tim Allen. And I know somewhere in one of those movies, there is a pole that says the North Pole. Was, it, was there one of those anywhere and where you went? Gosh, I want to say there was, but I'm not sure if my memory just created one or if it was actually there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so something I saw on your LinkedIn account that I wanted to really ask you about, because, uh, in preparation for this, like I was just looking through some things you've done and just things you have about yourself out there. And I saw that you went to, to, I guess I'll call it an event. I think it's called lot. Is it La Tomatina? Is that how you say it? Yes. Yes, okay. I did. It's 
So I want you to just give me the rundown of what that is for for us individuals that are not familiar with it and kind of what I, I briefly looked into it, but I wanted to hear your kind of explanation uh, and, and your experience in it. But what exactly is that and what went down whenever you were there, if you don't mind? And you can probably tell that I know a little bit about what it is by this, the smirk on my face. It's La Tamantina is one of those things that once you hear about it, you go, no way. <laughs> What it is, is it's a giant food fight, but not just any food fight. It is a food fight in Spain where the entire town of Bunal, and I'm so sorry, I I mispronounced that horribly, but they come together and they spend, I believe, about two hours, it's been a couple of years since I was there, throwing tomatoes at each other in the streets. And I decided to go with a friend. I was like, that sounds really cool. I'm going to go. So we went and I had, we had no idea what to expect. And there's a couple of rules of uh, La Tomatina. Like it starts when the, when the bell rings, it ends when the bell rings and you have to wear all white. You cannot, you cannot get entrance to the festival if you don't have an all white outfit on. So I showed up with my friends and it was already, I knew it was going to be crazy because the entire city was covered in tarps. Now picture like a a two or three story building with a tarp from the top of it all the way to street level. Like these townspeople knew they were not messing around and everyone lines up in streets. Like you're expecting a parade. So you're like four or five people deep in the street waiting for whatever's going to happen. And then you hear this very distant, like slow roar and like, Oh my God, it's coming. It's coming. And giant dump trucks roll down the streets full of tomatoes and there's people in the back of the truck like hurrying like getting the tomatoes on the streets throwing the tomatoes out and they're also throwing the tomatoes at you and so we had brought goggles like swim goggles and so the second they got near us it was like all right serious business goggles on let's go and I was like this is gonna be so fun this is gonna be so fun and then immediately after it started somebody hit me in the face with a beefsteak tomato that was not soft or squishy it was like a fully ripe get it on your hamburger and I was like oh my god this is crazy <laughs> so so was there any like rhyme or reason to it like in my mind I like this this is the way I'm visualizing it so you have like a like a city street and you know you've got buildings on either side. And in my mind, I'm imagining like people on both sides, like you just kind of end up on one side or the other. Is it like the, you know, this side against that side, or is it just like, okay, if you've got a tomato and you see a person, you're going to throw it at the, like, is there any rhyme or reason to it at all? Or is it just like for the next, you know, I don't know, 15 minutes or however long it is, we're just going to throw tomatoes and see what happens. Imagine being inside of a blender. (laughs) That is what it is like. It is pure chaos just tomatoes flying everywhere like one this guy behind me I was like trying to regroup and I turn around and the guy behind me immediately took a tomato and smashed it on my head then I had tomatoes running down my goggles were useless after about six minutes I was like trying to keep my goggles clear so I could see (laughs) I mean the streets essentially became like a giant marinara slip and slide and people were running and sliding on their stomachs and so it was just a free-for-all it was like this giant food fight. <laughs> well, that's what it seems like to me. Like in my head, at first, I was thinking, okay, it's going to be like you know this side of the street against that side, of the, that side of the street. But 
like how do you even r- regulate that like you know like once someone you know breaks that rule like it, it you know it it's very quickly gonna delve into just like a, a tomato free-for-all you know um how, how did that get started like i was reading on that and i was just like this is the craziest thing how did that even because I, I think that me growing up I, I would imagine other people and you know you watch movies of like people in high school and they like have a food fight and i don't know about you like i never i've never been in like a like a high school cafeteria food fight because you know i I was i was hungry i wasn't gonna throw my food at somebody but like i think a lot of people probably had that idea like oh a food fight would be kind of fun just to like you know throw stuff around but like this seemed this is just something totally out of left field like what what was what was the reason this started do you do you have any idea I have no idea. I really have no idea. I mean, I can speculate. I've got a great imagination, but truthfully, I do not know. That's funny. That's funny. Did you get to like keep any of the tomato with you or anything? Like, did you take like a like a bucket of it with you home and like make some pasta or something with it? <laughs> no, but I am so after so after you left the festival, we had brought a change of clothes that we stored in a locker. We rented downtown. But I was not prepared for the sheer amount of tomato. I had tomato in my ears. I had tomato puree, like, in, like, weird folds of my skin. My hair was, like, crispy. It was the most wild thing. And so then as you're walking out of the festival, there were people who live in the towns who were on their second-floor balconies with hoses spraying you as you walked. It was the most just wildest thing I love that. I love that. That's so funny. And so they like they they knew their job. Like they weren't gonna get they they didn't want to get you know tomatoes on them, but they were gonna spray everybody down. I'm just imagining someone with just like a like a pressure washer, just giving everybody a, a just a street bath. You know, that's exactly what it was. And then they had they did have outdoor showers set up right outside. So the festival itself only takes place on a couple streets, mm-hmm. and so then right it's very organized. And right outside they had the, this long line of like outdoor, I guess, wash stations. Mm -hmm. So everyone, because you come in, you come in buses. And so you have to get back on the bus, but the bus drivers will not let you on there if you're not. So like this sounds like something that, you know, whenever, at least in my mind, whenever I think of like, oh, like I'm going to go, I would like to go travel to this place or that place. In my mind, I'm thinking of doing you want to to some degree, you want to do like the touristy things. Like again, you know, I mentioned like I'm going to be going to uh, Paris later this year. Like I'm going to go see the Eiffel tower. Like that's the thing you do when you're in Paris. I'm going to go see the Eiffel tower and I'm going to have a loaf of bread with me just because that's what you do. Uh, But like, this sounds like something, what you're describing, like something that uh, maybe it's well-known. I have no idea, but it sounds like something somewhat out of let, like it's a very unique thing uh, that, you know, not everybody's going to know about. Are there any other like, festivals or any other like just things that not your average tourist is going to know about that you got to experience like this? Well, there's one that I always wanted to, that I never got to, which is um, a water festival in Thailand where everyone it's very similar, but you go after each other with squirt guns. (laughs) That was really fun. I have not done that, but it's on my list, but I'm actually leaving for one in August in Croatia. They do something called yacht week which is where they have all of these yachts off the coast and you actually can rent one. You have to have a minimum of eight to 10 people per yacht. So you have to find some friends and these yachts all spend a week sailing up and down the coast together and they have floating bars along the way and music venues. And it's like a giant festival and it's all takes place on yachts on the water. 
So that's what I'm going to be attending. I'm really excited. We just confirmed all of our reservations for that of August of this year. And where is that at? That is in Croatia. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. But another one I have been to is I've been to uh, Carnival in Rio, which is sort of like Mardi Gras. It's like Brazilian Mardi Gras, but so much bigger, so much better. Sorry, Mardi Gras fans. Brazil has got you beat by 10 times. It's just a, this giant, crazy street party with dancers and parades and floats. And it's just a, a citywide celebration. So I went to that right before the pandemic hit. So I was there in February of 2020. And so it was, the dichotomy was crazy because I was like, this is awesome. I'm in Brazil, party, party, dance, dance, festival. And then I was like, oh my God, we got to get on this plane now because everything is shutting down. Like (laughs) it was, it was one of those things where you're, you know, you're in the, you're in the streets hanging out, dancing. And then someone says, have you heard the news? And then it starts spreading like wildfire. So that was a very interesting place to be when the pandemic broke out. So what did you do in that in that particular? Because so I was in a well, somewhat similar in the sense that I was I was also at the time when everything shut down. I was in the, in the Dominican Republic at that time. I was there for a week, and I remember when everything shut down stateside. I was, <laughs> it was crazy. The place we were in did not have very good service, like phone service at all. And it was a Thursday, and I remember we randomly got service somehow. And I just got notifications like this place was shutting down and this thing was happening. And my my mom was texting me and she was like, are you OK? And I just remember texting her being like, yeah, I'm in a hammock right now. Like I'm doing I'm doing great. What like what's up with you? So like what was what was that experience like for you just being in a totally obviously a different country and a totally different place for you? Did you just like stick it out and or what were your did you make any like travel arrangements to come back home or what did you do? Yep. We all went back home. So I was there with a group of friends. And so we all scattered to our different parts of the world. And I actually, at that time was living in the Caribbean. So I flew back home to St. Thomas where I was living at the time. And I spent the entire pandemic. So the majority of 2020, um, quarantining in the Caribbean, which I highly recommend. It's a a great place to be in lockdown. (laughs) That's not a bad place to be if you got to be stuck there, you know? It's really not. I, I I told my family I got a little mini taste of retirement. You know, I spent a lot of time swimming, a lot of time hiking. I actually wrote a play because I had so much free time. I made my family perform it. Super fun. But yes, I got I got very lucky with my pandemic experience. I'll be the first to say that I was in a good location. I love that. That's hilarious. Um, so you said that you've traveled to close to 50 or maybe over 50 country, 50 countries at this point. Uh, have you, have you been to all 50 States or like close to all 50 States? Close. I'm missing about four. I, I have not been to Hawaii, so I need Hawaii is tough. I spent a lot of my time living in the Midwest to South region. So like from Michigan all the way down to Florida. Mm -hmm. So Hawaii is not super convenient to get to. It's somewhere I need to go. It's on my list. And then I um, have not been to a couple of the little guys like Vermont. I really want to check out. I really need to go to Montana. There's just a couple odds and ends that I'm missing. So of the countries you've been to and of the states you've been to, if you could go back to one of each of them, like one, one, if you're obviously you're in Minnesota right now, but aside from where you're currently at right now, if there is a state you could visit to that you've been to and a country you could visit that you've been to, which of those two options, like which which state and which country would you go visit to? If money was no option, you could just book a a free plane ticket and go there. Which uh, state and country would you go to? 
Well, the state is easy. That would be Alaska for sure. I, I love being outside. Put me in a place where I can hike, I can swim, I can sit on a blanket and read Alaska all day, every day. No questions asked. If there's any Alaskan companies hiring, hello. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, for countries, that's a little bit more difficult because they're all so different and they all have so much to offer. You know, I've I've learned along the way, you know, they say don't judge a book by its cover. I would say don't judge a country ever. There is something cool to see in every single place. But if I if I had to pick one, if I if I had to put my finger on one gut instinct, I would probably say Scotland. I really loved Scotland. It's it's really beautiful. It's incredible to see. And there are so many little hidden gems and great hikes and beautiful lakes and just interesting history. I, I think it'd be Scotland. So I'm I'm excited that you said that because that that area of Europe is somewhere that I mean I've never been to Europe, but that is somewhere that I I would love to go and visit just because I don't know what it is, uh, but like all those kind of, I guess it's like Northwest European countries, I believe, if my geography is right. If, if it's wrong, then oh well. Uh, I didn't, didn't major in geography. Uh, but if um, like that is somewhere I've wanted to go for, I, I don't know, it just seems like such a unique place just because you see pictures of like just the history that's there, the, 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 the landscape there, just everything going on. I would love to go visit like Scotland and I think Switzerland's up there. I want to say, um, I could be, could be wrong, but like those, those play that just confirms to me that like, I need to go there someday. Cause I would, I would love to go and visit that and check it out. What's what about Scotland particular? Like if there was one place you could go to there, what would you, what, what about it particularly would you want to go see? Oh, well, I, I went to the Isle of Skye a few years ago. So I had a pretty unique Scottish experience. I decided to take a month off of work and my sister and my best friend went with me and we we did two weeks in Ireland and two weeks in Scotland. So we we're on the road for a long, long time and we just wandered all over the place. And in Isle of Skye, we were there uh, not in the touristy time of year. So we were there in the off season which is really fun because we would go to these pubs and they would be all locals. And then us, mm -hmm. these like corporate American girls who didn't know any customs were like, hi, how are you? And they're like, oh my God. <laughs> but we were trying, we didn't have a car and we were trying to figure out how to see the Isle of Skye and go all around without a car because nowhere was available to rent to us. They were all closed for the season. And this local gentleman in a pub overheard us discussing it and offered to take his morning the next morning and drive us all around and be our tour guide. And, you know, there's always safety questions when that happens. You know, is this, is this a good idea? Is this not a good idea? But ultimately we decide there's three of us. We will take our chances. We'll let people know, Hey, this is where we're going. This is who we're with. This is what time we should be home. If you don't hear from us from this time, please, you know, let people know. And we decided to do it. We're like, we'll take every precaution we can, but we're going to do this. And so we ended up touring, spending almost a full day touring the Isle of Skye with this gentleman who lived there. And that was just really cool. He took us all over the place. My family is Scottish. So he ran us by this um, auto shop owned by like distant cousins. We're like, oh my God, this is awesome. But, and obviously we also went to other places in Scotland. We went to Loch Ness. We did a bunch of hiking. It's just a, a beautiful place. That's awesome. That's awesome. Especially that you got to see some of like your, you know, something related to your family. Like that's, that's, that's crazy. Uh, I feel like that kind of story is something that people 
like everyone if you if you could do that like everyone wants to just like you know right be toured around by the one of the locals like that's you know what better way to truly get to see the world you know the 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 place that you're visiting than with someone that lives there you know like that so uh that's awesome i love that um i mean so i you- think you know talking about safety really quickly yeah because a couple of my experiences on the service were not a good idea. Like when I was in India, I met this local couple in the park and they were struggling to take a selfie. And I was like, oh, I'll take your picture for you. And like, I'll do it. And they invited me to their home for lunch as a thank you. And, you know, it was one of those things like, is this safe? Is this not safe? And I ended up going and I had this amazing homemade lunch with this couple who, you know, lived in India and, it was so incredible. And the food was the most authentic I've ever had, obviously. And so on the topic of safety, because I think that's a big concern people have when it comes to travel, Mm -hmm. I would say to take every precaution you can and make wise decisions, but also know that people across the world are essentially the same. And the majority of them are good. Mm -hmm. People in other countries, they're just like you or me. You know, if I if I came across someone traveling, I'm like, oh yeah, let me show you this. Let me show you that. Let me tell you what's cool here. There, there are bad people out there. There are bad people everywhere. But I think they are few and far between. And I think as long as you take precautions, you let people know where you are, you let people know what time you'll be home, you check in regularly, you know, you never go AWOL. As long as you're honest about all of that, I think that you got to give people the benefit of the doubt when you're out and about in the world. Yeah, no, no, I would agree. Um, and, and I think that like naturally a lot of people's minds immediately go when you think of traveling like that, people go like, oh, well, what like what could happen? Like if we went here and this happened and that happened, like obviously there can be bad things happen. You can get lost somewhere and you don't know your way, but, like lots, you know, there are plenty of things that could go wrong. But like you said, just like if someone were to wander up to wherever you live or, you know, here in Tennessee, like you know, if they said, Hey, could you show me a good place to eat? Or, Hey, where's like the closest shopping center? Like I could point them in the direction, give them recommendations. And most people are going to be like that. I remember whenever we were, um, we spent a week in the Dominican, we were in this really, this really, really low income area. And it was the the street that we were on. It was a very rural area. There was a lot like, it was, it was a very strong community. And we were staying with these group of people. And there was one day where we just kind of went walking up the road, just visiting people. And the people on the street, they had no, like, obviously they had no idea who we were. They, they kind of wrote roughly spoke English and we kind of roughly spoke Spanish, but we made it work and they were very nice people. And they even invited us into their homes and they, they talked with us. They off, if they had any food, they would offer it to us. And like, like you said, most of them are just normal people, just like you and me, they just live in a different country, maybe speak a different language and they do different things, but they're normal people. And they're not going to, um, if you give you know people the benefit of the doubt, just like you and I would help someone out if they were looking for a recommendation or a place to stay, um, they're going to do similar things. And so I, I agree. I think that's something that, you know, you don't want to throw caution to the wind every single, you know, uh, in, in, in every single situation, but making wise decisions and really taking the precautions that you can, you're going to set yourself up, I would imagine, for a safe and fun experience most of the time, you know? Yes. Something I have learned along the way is that a universal fact is that people are proud of their homes. They're proud of their homes. They're proud of their cities. They're proud of their countries. And so if you give them a chance to show that off, they're going to give you a super authentic experience. Like if you, you came to me 
and you're like, Hey, I lived in Detroit for several years. I love Detroit. If you know, I run into a tourist from another country in Detroit. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is a great city. Go here, go there, go everywhere. So people are, people are proud of their homes. And that's something that you got to keep in mind is people are always proud to show off where they live and give tourists a great experience. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. I agree 100%. Um, so you have been, so you traveled for about, you turned a gap year into a, a gap decade, uh, you said, you know, and, you, and traveled around. Uh, so now that you are back in a, what would, you know, most people would consider a more traditional, like corporate setting. Um, what are some just reflections you've had on, on the fact that you're doing what you're doing now? Was this something that you had some kind of aversion to at all? Was it, was it something that you were ready to move, like move on from what you were doing to a more, uh, again, just a more corporate and traditional path or what, what were your, what was your thought process going into the field that you're currently in now? Yeah, I think it was kind of a combination of things. Uh, you know, the pandemic that changed a lot of things for a lot of people. And for me, my way of life just ground to a halt for almost a year. So I had almost a year where there was no flying around. There were no boats to take. There were really no adventures to go on. And it gave me a lot of time to think. And it gave me a lot of time to reflect on what I wanted from my life and where I wanted to go next. And I started thinking a lot about stability and how nice it would be to have my own living room. At that point in my life, I had never bought furniture before. I had, you know, I had floated around rented furnished places. And it's just so ironic because I'm sitting in a furnished spot as we speak. But I just started thinking about goals and dreams. And I thought about how nice it would be to have a home base and be able to come and go, but have a spot that was mine. And that really kind of started that journey. And I also had spent most of my travel was funded by restaurant jobs, bartending, serving, odd jobs, like being a barista. I was a wedding planner for a short amount of time. All of those fall into hospitality and that ground to a halt as well. So I realized I didn't have any other skills. I think, okay, so Morgan, if this is really done, what skills do you have to fall back on? So I decided it was time to see if I could find my way into a more traditional corporate role. And I packed my bags. I went back up to the continental US. I bought a car. I loaded the few possessions I owned into my car. And I started road tripping the US looking for a new start. And I actually drove the country for almost three months trying to find a job that fit for me. So I'm really eccentric, obviously. But physically speaking, I have full sleeves. I have hand tattoos. I have a nose ring. And so I didn't want to change any of that. And so it was really trying to find a needle in the haystack of a company who would accept me and take a chance on me, but also was a spot I wanted to work at. I'm very particular and I don't do things that don't make me happy. I'm not going to just take a job for the sake of having a job. I want it to be a spot I'm going to enjoy. So I looked at all sorts of crazy things. I was looking at um, vineyards on the West Coast. I looked at a master's degree in New Mexico. I was like, maybe New Mexico would be nice. And ultimately, I found the job I have now on Indeed, and it was in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I started at my company's headquarters before moving up to Minnesota, Um, applied for it, and was really transparent in my phone interview. It was a logistics company. And I said, look, I've never done this before ever, but I researched your company, and here's what I think I could bring to the table. I think I could learn the technical side of it, but here are my intangibles. And I just explained about my transferable skills that I thought I could bring, and they ended up hiring me. 
and the rest is history. <laughs> but it has been, it has been a transition. This is my first time ever in an eight to five. So my first time ever navigating the waters of PTO and not being able to just get on a plane tomorrow. It's it's been a, a learning experience for sure. Yeah. And but I, I think that that gives you um a very unique perspective because um a lot of people talk about wanting to go and see and do and just book that plane ticket and just fly off somewhere and see what happens. Um, but it's not always the case that people can do that. And so the fact that you have now, like you're currently in the position that you're in and even so, like, you know, you're still traveling around. I mean, for crying out loud, you're living in Minnesota. You were just in Chattanooga a couple months ago. Like you're still getting to see and do and and be out in unique areas. Um, I was last week. You were where? Costa Rica. Oh, nice. What was that like? Oh my gosh. It was amazing. Rented a car, road tripped around for eight days. Costa Rica is a really cool spot. That's awesome. That's awesome. But yeah, like you have these, uh, these experiences that not only do you know, kind of the, the nomad, uh, lifestyle, but you have now this experience where you can, you, you know, the, the pros and cons of, living out of a backpack to also living out of a house, you know, uh, having your own living room, like you said, to not having your own living room. Um, and I think that that would, that's a very attractive thing for someone that's considering hiring someone. Um, because it gives you, like you said, a lot of intangibles and a lot of experience that people may be interested in or, uh, may be curious about. So I think that's awesome. And that's, uh, you know, I've, I've only ever heard good things about steam, uh, and, and what they're doing. So that's, I'm glad that you're, you found that yourself in the role that you're in now. I did. And you know, what's funny is I actually interviewed at steam three times, believe it or not, because the recruiter who I initially spoke to just thought he's like, this girl is really one of a kind. I think she would bring a lot of value to our company and the first two people I interviewed with were like, oh, no, she's a flight risk, which I don't blame them at all. I am a flight risk. But <laughs> um, the third the third gentleman I interviewed with agreed. He was like, I, it was a first sales role. And he was like, I think that you would connect with a lot of different people. And in my current job now at Steam, I am in charge of their entire recruiting department for all of their offices. So I really have brought my unique perspective to the table of telling my team to, for the most part, ignore resumes, look for intangible skills, talk to people candidly about what the role is and what it takes to perform that role and do well in it and see if that's something that they think they could do. So because of my experiences, I have really, you know, removed the curtain from hiring. And instead of like making it a guessing game, I'm like, we're going to put all of this out on the table. And we're going to let people decide for themselves if they think that this is something they could do and they would enjoy doing. And that's proven to be really successful for us. Like I, at this point in my career, um, helped bring on over 800 people to the company. And wow. I've been there for two years. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and some of that you, you mentioned, which I think seems to be, um, it seems to be a growing trend in a lot of different industries is understanding that there is more to a individual and more to an employee than just what their resume may say or may show. And of course, like a resume is an important thing, you know, like there are jobs where you need to have certain qualifications and you need to have uh, certain degrees of experience. And, you know, you don't just want to throw that out the window and be like, oh, well, just hire some, you know, Joe off the street for this particular job. But at the same time, it, it's a balancing act. At the same time, like you said, there's more to people than just what is on a sheet of paper that details their experiences. 
Um, just like what you were mentioning about yourself, there's more that you bring to the table that isn't necessarily something you can put on a sheet of paper and isn't necessarily something you can put on a resume. So I think that's something that it's, it's a growing trend, at least it seems from my perspective, uh, at large. And I think that's a good thing. I think that, uh, the fact that more people are getting access to these opportunities that maybe traditionally they wouldn't be, I think that's a great thing and something that, um, it's offering people with unique sets of skills positions that they wouldn't have before. So I think that's a great thing. I think so too. You know, the, the, the bottom line is, can this position be taught and can this person learn it? Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no. Just yeah. depends on case basis. I don't think that hiring or recruiting is one size fits all. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, something kind of a little bit, um, a little bit different than what we've been talking about. I want to ask you, but I would be remiss if I did not. Um, so, like I said, I uh, I did just a little bit of mild, I'll loosely say research. I was basically just looking at your LinkedIn profile just to see what you've been up to, uh, just seeing some things that different, some things about you. And I saw that you are a self-proclaimed, in your words, thrift store queen, uh, is what I saw on your LinkedIn profile. And the reason why I say that is because my I, I have learned over the past. Um, I get, I'll, th- I'll say three years now, my fiance, she is also a huge, uh, fan of just going and looking and discovering things in thrift stores. And I never realized there was this kind of like subculture of the, the art of the discovery at a thrift store. And so I want to ask you one, uh, what is it about kind of, I'm assuming you have this, what is it about the, the kind of the 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 quest to find the kind of hidden gem in a thrift store what is it about that that you enjoy and second off it seems to me that there's been kind of a resurgence of um of uh like thrift store culture if that makes sense like i've seen a lot of people even online they'll detail their experiences of going and like finding all these unique things and people will talk about it whereas i don't think years ago that would have been the case so just what are your your thoughts on that Oh, I know. I think that's such an interesting question because for years and years and years of my life, I either didn't want to admit that I got my clothes at a thrift store or people would kind of give me that look like, oh, I washed them. Gosh. But um, for me, it's always a combination of things. Uh, I, I love the treasure hunt aspect of it. I ever since I was little, 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 like I'm talking like third grade. I've loved style. I don't say that I love fashion because fashion implies trendy. I'm not a trendy person. If you ever see me in real life, I am not trendy, but I'm very stylish. I love style. I love being well put together. I love clothing that is beautiful. I love outfits that look nice. And ever since my first day at Steam, Steam does not have a dress code. I always have dressed extremely well. I love it. I I think it makes me feel good. And but anyway, so I love, I, so that's the start of it. I love beautiful clothes and I love style, but I never had very much money. I didn't have any money growing up and I certainly didn't have any money while I was traveling. And so for me, it was always about how can I, how can I look great on a budget? And that was always thrift stores, even before they were cool. And it doesn't bother me where my clothes come from. So now it's become kind of part of my identity is almost every single thing I own is secondhand. It is very rare for me to buy clothes new, and people know that about me. Um, I love going to thrift stores. I love looking for beautiful, unique pieces, and you can also find things there that you can't find anywhere else because maybe it was made in the 80s or 90s, and it's not made now, or maybe it was trendy 
you know, in 2001, but that trend is over. So it's, it's really just fun for me. And I love dressing up for work. And it's just, for me, it's how I get beautiful clothes on a budget. Yeah, no. And, and, and I understand that because it's, it's so funny. Like I never really visited thrift stores at all. Like, you know, just growing up, but like I said, when I, when I, I met my fiance and she is like, she goes to thrift stores all the time just for fun. Like she'll just go and be like, yeah, I just went there just to look around. And I, I'm amazed sometimes at the things that she will find and things that she will bring back. And I'm just like, I don't even know how you found these things. Cause I'll go to the stores with her and I'll be like, I I'm just not, nothing's clicking with me here. Like nothing's really registering with me. And then she'll walk over and be like, Oh, I found like all these six different things. This thing was made back here. This thing was made at this point. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't even know people got rid of these things or like passed them down, you know, but um, I think it's really cool that that has seemed to take somewhat of a resurgence because it's, it is, it allows people to have that sense of the kind of the quest to find something, you know, it's not just like, oh, I'm going to pull something off a rack and just buy it, whatever. It's, it's kind of like a, 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 you're, you're on a trip to go and find this thing that you don't even know if it's there. You know, you're, it's kind of like you're looking for buried treasure to a degree and you don't always find it. Um, you know, in my, in the trips I've taken with my fiance, like we don't always find stuff if we ever go there, but I think if you can get past the, this, this idea that like, Oh, it's secondhand, like, Oh, that's, that's, that's like dirty or not like a good thing. Um, I think if you can get past that, understand that, yes, you can wash these things and you can clean them. Like it's, it's perfectly fine. Then you can find some really cool stuff. Even if you're not looking for clothes, like, I have found countless books and countless um, like dishes that like are beautiful or great. And like I'm, I've found them like, I can't believe this thing is just $2. Um, it's really cool. I think, I think it's awesome. And I think it's cool that that's something that you've been able to just ingrain as a part of you and make such a public part of your personality. I think that's awesome. Thanks. Yes. When I, when I finally got my living room in Chattanooga, I, you know, I had just come off of three months of road tripping. So as usual, had no money. This is a recurring theme in my life. And so I, I furnished my apartment bit by bit thrifting. I would find a cool piece of artwork. I'd grab that. I'd find a nice little end table. I'd grab that. And over the course of my first year in Chattanooga, my apartment really came to life. And it, it was really fun. It was just piece by piece by piece this year, this year, this year. It's a really fun way. One of my favorite ways to spend a Saturday morning is to get up get a coffee, you know, get a little baked good and go and spend two hours just looking for treasure. You just don't know what you're going to find. I love it. I love that. Yeah. And, and, you know, just like with anything, like you don't know what you're going to find. You might not find the thing that you're looking for, but um, I think that if you give it, you know, in my experience, like, again, I didn't grow up, I didn't, it wasn't really a part of who I was to go and like search for these things. But if you give it some time, like you'll find some really interesting stuff. So I love that. I had to ask you about that. I would be remiss if I did not, because uh, I, I I just thought it was really cool that you make that such a public part of, of who you are. So, um, well, cool. Well, you know, we've been going for close to an hour now, which is crazy. Uh, it's awesome. I've, this has been a, a great way to, at the time of this recording, I don't know when people will be listening to it, but this is currently uh, the morning time. It's a great way to start the day with a great conversation. But um, I want to just first off, thank you for taking some time to chat with me, uh, just taking some time to just spend the morning with me and, and learn a little bit about uh, you and who you are. I know you've probably got countless, countless, countless other stories. Uh, and maybe, hey, maybe we'll save that for another episode in the future. But before we finish off things, um, I like to finish each interview, each episode with a little bit of a ending, a fun little ending segment, um, just different from everything we've talked about. 
And this segment, I'll get to call 15 quick questions. Uh, so I have 15 quick questions for you. They are this or that questions. So it'll be like A or B, hot or cold, you know, of that nature. And I just want to get your off the top of your head, your answer to these questions and see what you think. So does that sound good with you? All right. Hit me. I'm ready. All right. Let's do it. This is 15 quick questions with Morgan. First question, beach vacation or mountain vacation? Mountain vacation. Hot coffee or iced coffee? Hot coffee. Of the four seasons, summer, fall, winter, or spring, which do you prefer? Fall. Um, sweet or savory food? Savory. Every time. Do you believe Crocs are fashionable? Yes or no? Ew, no. <laughs> uh, does pineapple belong on pizza? Yes or no? Yes, it does. Fight me on this one. I love it. I love it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a staunch believer in pineapple on pizza, so I agree. Um, sunrise or sunset? Uh, sunrise, I cannot stay up late. I'm the one for, I mean, when Daniel asked me if I could be on this podcast, I said, sure, but I get up at five. <laughs> Got <it in> morning. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, guacamole or salsa? Guacamole. All right. Michael Jackson or Prince? Ooh, I'm in Minneapolis. I had to say Prince. That's a good answer. Um, crunchy peanut butter or smooth? Crunchy. All right. Are you much of a are you this are you much of a, a wing eater at all? You like wings? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you prefer flats or drumsticks? Drums. Okay. Gotcha. That's a, that's a big. I also prefer. I think they're more fun. Uh, but that's a big debate in the the wing community. Uh, all right. Who in your mind wins in a dance battle? The Rock or Kevin Hart? Oh, Kevin Hart for sure. <laughs> Uh, which of these decades is your favorite or would you prefer to be in the seventies, eighties, or nineties? Oh, the seventies. Every time the patterns, the patterns. I agree. I think this, well, I wasn't there, so I don't know. Maybe somebody from the seventies can chime in and tell me, but I think the seventies seemed awesome. Um, of the four, the, the four holidays to finish the year, which do you prefer Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, or new year's Halloween, Halloween. I like Halloween as well. I'm growing to appreciate Halloween more as I get older. Um, and then finally, final question. I like to end every interview off with this just as a fun way to finish it off. And I want to hear your, your rationale for this. Would you rather fight a hundred duck sized horses or one horse sized duck? A hundred duck sized horses or yeah. one horse sized duck. Whoa. <laughs> um, probably the horse sized duck duck because a hundred is a lot. People don't realize how it is. And I'm pretty small in real life. So I think I would get overwhelmed by a hundred small horses. Yeah, I think I'll take the horse size duck. I love it. I love it. Is there a, I, I just had a curiosity. Is there like a number of, of horse size ducks that, or I'm sorry, is there like a, a number of, of duck sized horses that you would have to, that would be like your minimum threshold to change your answer? Like would, would 60, would 60 do it for you? Or what would be the threshold for you? I'm curious. Yeah, I think 50. I think 50 would be doable, but 100, that is a lot. You'd get swept away in a sea of those things. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Well, thank you very much for playing along. Uh, I just like to finish the interviews off in a fun little way. So I appreciate you playing along with that. Uh, before we finish up, I know that so I, I initially came across you just through LinkedIn. So I'll put that link down in the description. So if you're listening and you want to check out Morgan, see what she's got going on, I'll put that link down in the description. But do you have any other links or anything that you'd like to share or any way people can follow you along online or anything like that at all? 
I do not. No, I'm, I'm a pretty private person, believe it or not. I don't, I don't have a Facebook. I don't have an Instagram. I don't have any of that. I only started using LinkedIn for work and that was a big struggle. I was like, how do, how do I use this? What do I do? <laughs> Hence me just being blatantly honest and saying, I don't know what I'm doing. Let's hope it works. But nope, you don't, don't worry about it. No need to follow me. If you want to talk more, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to chat, but I don't have any social media. All right. Sweet. Uh, that's awesome. Well, I'll put that link uh, for your LinkedIn down there. I recommend connecting with her. She's uh, obviously a, a great individual, a, fun, a lot of fun to keep up with. So if you're listening, and you want to check her out, that link will be down there. Um, but yeah, Morgan, thank you very much for taking some time to chat with me today. It's been a lot of fun. I appreciate you chatting with me. Thank you for having me. This has been a great way to start my day. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Um, And to everyone that is out there listening, thank you as always for tuning into this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to find myself uh, or any any links or anything, those will obviously be down in the description. So feel free to head on there, check those out. Um, Yeah. And as always, thank you for checking out the podcast. I'll catch you all on another episode of the podcast in the future. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the podcast. As one final reminder, if you'd like to support the show, then don't forget to rate and review the show wherever you get your podcast or share it with a friend. If you'd like to check out any links that were mentioned during the show or follow the show or myself on social media, then feel free to head to the description of today's episode to find these links. As always, thank you again for checking out today's episode. and I really hope you enjoyed it. I will catch you all on the next episode of the podcast. See ya.